Well, good morning and welcome to Gateway. We're glad that you're here with us this morning, especially if it's your first time. Now, one thing you might notice as we get started this morning, I don't think it was there last week or the week before, really, but just want to kind of announce the, like, address the elephant in the room. The TV is gone, right? The TV is now gone, and some of you might uh, be disappointed by that, but listen, we said a couple weeks ago it's college football season, and we just made the executive decision that would be better in my office, all right? And so... I'm just kidding, it's in Luke's. Uh, no, uh, 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 so I have, but the good news is I have so much more room for activities up here. So uh, I'm, I'm ready. Hey, uh, I want to start off today talking about weddings, specifically your wedding. Uh, how many of you remember the vivid and intricate details of your wedding day? Anybody here willing to maybe not admit it? Uh, for some of you, that might be easier than others because uh, either you're not that far removed from it, maybe it was just a few years ago, or, well, because you're a female. Uh, as I mentioned as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, Ashley and I just celebrated 10 years of marriage, uh, and, and I can still remember a fair amount of the details. Uh, things like like, I can remember that I was later than I was supposed to be, uh, to, not to the ceremony, just the day of, and, uh, but it was, I was late enough that Ashley started freaking out that I wasn't showing up at all. Uh, I do remember standing there during the ceremony, and I remember splitting time in my mind between listening to the message from the preacher and trying to keep my composure and not locking my knees so I wouldn't end up on YouTube. Uh, I, and I do remember how beautiful my wife was as she as the doors opened up and she came down the aisle. But what about you? Ladies, do you remember what it was like to be a bride on that day? All of those months of preparation leading up to that day and now it's here. Actually, who am I kidding? Not months of preparation, years of preparation and thinking of this day. And you may have been pretending to be a bride since you were a kid and now it's finally here. Now, I know there are a few out there that don't fantasize about that type of thing, but most women cannot wait to be a bride one day. And, and when we think about weddings, the bride is usually the focal point of the whole event, right? Everybody focuses on the bride. Well, last week we read from Revelation 19, verse 7, let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And make no mistake about it, we as Christians, as the church, we are the bride of Christ. And so we want to welcome you to our final message in this Themes of Revelation series titled, The Bride. Now, this is message number seven, because, of course, you have to do seven uh, messages if you're going to talk about Revelation, because that's going to bring the series to completion. If we would have ended at six, first, that's not a good number to end on, and number two, it would have been incomplete, so we had to go seven, right? It has been a great journey through this last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and we have been reminded that Jesus reigns over all and reigns over all and deserves all of our worship. And we have been reminded that Jesus will have the last word on Satan and the evil that is in this world. And we've been reminded that he will reward those who have chosen to surrender their lives to him and live according to his word. 
And really, that's the whole message of this book of Revelation. Now, last week, we summed it up with three big certainties. We said that judgment day is coming, and life will get more difficult the closer we get to that day. And with that in mind, we should be living every day in preparation for that one day. We must get our personal and family spiritual values in order, living as followers of Christ every day because we don't know when that will be the last day. We don't want to follow the world. We need to be followers of Christ. And we must live each day trying to reach others around us for the gospel. Those that don't already know Jesus, we need to be trying to reach them before this day comes. Something that we've been trying to do with our Pray for One theme this year, to pray for one person at a time that we would be able to introduce to Jesus, that God would present those opportunities to us. We also said that Jesus is the winner in the battle that is taking place and will continue to take place until this last day. But even though Team Jesus wins in the end, we have to stay engaged and fight all the way up until the finish. We can't just sit back and wait for Jesus to come back. Our mission is to reach lost souls and bring as many people to Jesus as we can before it's too late. A few weeks ago, we talked about the way that we win, the way that the dragon is defeated, that Satan is defeated, is by the blood of the lamb, but also by the word of our testimony. We are a part of this. We have a responsibility in this. And we said that the only way to escape God's wrath is to have our name written in the Lamb's book of life. Chapter 20 ended with all the enemies of Christ being thrown into the lake of fire with the only ones left being the ones who belong to him. And so we have these three certainties. And while the book of Revelation doesn't tell us when Jesus will return, it does ensure us that he will one day return. Don't ever get that confused. And when he does, the problems of pain, evil, and suffering, the, the perseverance of living on mission, and the patience of waiting out the war with all, will all find their answer in the physical return and presence of Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible with you this morning, will you please turn to Revelation chapter 21 and follow along with me as we finish up this last book of the Bible. Now, there's been a lot going on, right? And all throughout this book, there's been a lot of going on, a lot of confusing stuff, a lot of uh, weird stuff, a lot of ugly stuff, but it's about to get a whole lot better here at the very end. And so we're going to spend a little time this morning looking at the bride of Christ in Revelation chapter 1, starting with verse 1, where John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have all passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, and 
As for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, adulterers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Now, husbands, I'm sure that your wife remembers the details of your wedding better than you do, but there is one memory of that special day that is unique to you, that only you have. That moment, as you might guess, is the moment that you were standing on the stage or you were standing there with the minister and you saw your bride come through the doors. Perhaps you were the first one to see her as everybody was looking. You saw her come around that corner or through the open doors in all of her beauty and adornment. Now, if you held a tradition, this was the first time that you saw your bride in her dress. And wow, it is a magical moment. Certainly, it's a moment that can bring even the toughest of men to tears as they see their beautiful, soon-to-be wife. Now, it's a moment of beauty, but it's also a moment of truth. Truth about just how much your life is about to change. Maybe, what have I gotten myself into? A a friend of mine uh, was telling us a couple weeks ago, they were just celebrating their 25th anniversary, and he shared with us that this moment, as as beautiful as as his bride was, uh, it incited some panic into him. As his bride starts to march down the aisle, he starts to panic about the finality of just what is about to happen after this day, just about what's to take place. That's right, ladies. Maybe you've never had this conversation, but it's the moment that you've been waiting for for most of your life. All eyes are on you, the beautiful bride. You are the star of the show as you walk down the aisle. Meanwhile, your groom is standing there on the stage wondering, what in the world have I done? What have I gotten myself into? I'm giving away all of my freedom, not to be with other women, but to just sit around and do nothing, to spend my money with no repercussions whatsoever, to stay out late with my buddies watching the game as late as I want. But don't worry, all of this may have been going through his mind But he didn't run out. He stayed. He stayed for the ceremony. And he stayed because he loved you that much that he was willing to give up all of that for you. Or he stayed because he was frozen in panic. Either way, listen, you're happily married now, right? It's all okay. And also, we offer marriage counseling by request here at the church. Now, typically... When we think of a bride, we think of a woman who looks her best. But the truth is that the bride that we read about here in the book of Revelation, she ain't that. (laughs) She's been through the ringer twice, okay? Like, she has endured a lot of pain and suffering, a lot of trials and temptations. But guess what? She's made it through and she's here. Despite all that she's been through, her garments are still as white as snow. And so let's take a look at this bride of Revelation and just all that she has been through. But first, we want to look at her groom. Her groom is someone you might know, someone you might be a little familiar with, uh, because Jesus is the bridegroom. And just like the bride, the groom has made his preparations for this day. He's been preparing and he's been waiting for this very day. And now the time has come for him to move into his house with his bride, a house that he has gone before and prepared for her. 
Before Jesus left this earth, he told his disciples in John, in the book of John, in my father's house are many rooms. If it was not so, would I, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Jesus has been preparing this house for us and now it's time to go home. And this wedding is, is what we, that we see here is what it was like, it, what was customary in Jewish cultures, which means that it had three components. First, there was often a pre-arrangement. It was common for the groom's father to already have arranged this marriage with the bride's father. Then there was a betrothal period that was kind of like what we would call an engagement period. The bride and the groom, they would meet during this time. Now, remember that the marriage has been arranged. So maybe they knew each other ahead of time, but maybe they didn't. But get all that love stuff out of here because you didn't have a choice, right? This was arranged. So they might meet for the first time, but they would get together and they would sign something called a ketubah, which was a legally binding document to protect the bride. And they would decide on a wedding date during this time. Now, also during this time, the groom, they, he had a lot to do. The groom had one year to build a room onto his parents' home that was suitable for his new bride. He had to go and prepare a place for her. The groom prepares a place for, for the bride just like Jesus, our bridegroom, is preparing a place for us. And when Jesus said that in John chapter 14, the disciples, they would have known exactly what he was talking about. They would have picked up on the marriage language that was within it. The third aspect or component of a Jewish marriage is the return of the groom, which prompted the wedding festival. And that's what we have going on here in the book of Revelation. The bridegroom has returned in time, and it is time for the wedding feast. And so there we have the bridegroom, but let's get to the star, right, of, the, of a wedding. That is the bride, right? Let us consider the bride's beauty. They say that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and the beauty of the bride of Christ is her righteousness. Since the fall of man, our entire lives are lived under the knowledge of evil. We are born into a world of sin with a sinful nature, and we are constantly bombarded with temptation to sin. But once we get to heaven, all of those things will be removed, and we will be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Isaiah the prophet saw this day when he wrote, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. As the bride of Christ, we have been covered by his righteousness. And oh, how beautiful is the righteousness of Christ. Because of his righteousness, we can be seen as sinless. Though we have a sinful nature, though we are filthy sinners, Christ has paid the price for each one of us, and he gave us his beautiful righteousness, that we may be seen as the most beautiful bride, not because of us, but because of him. Now let's also consider the bride's joy. Weddings are a happy, joyous occasion. That's what it's all about, right? That's why you invite all of these people out to share your happiness and joy with those that are closest 
to you. It's such a joyous occasion that most people remember it as one of the greatest days of your life. Perhaps if somebody asks you a question, describe the, the best day of your life, the highest moment of your life, but you can't include your wedding or the birth of your kids, right? But your wedding is part of that. Certainly, I hope that a wedding is a joyous time for you. And as you can imagine, the wedding and the book of Revelation, well, it will be the happiest of them all. Part of the happiness and joy that comes from a wedding is because while the old life has been left behind, replaced with a new life that is so much better than before. And an earthly marriage, all of the pain that you might have gone through and all of the relationships that didn't work out is all gone. Perhaps you've been in relationships that were full of abuse or, or trauma, and the wedding day represents a freedom from all that's in the past. Once again, the wedding in Revelation, it'll be the happiest of all because of all of the things of this earth that have brought you so much sorrow in your life, that they will no longer exist in heaven. And for some of you, that's all you need to hear, right? If you were going to do an advertisement for heaven, just give me that. Just give me all that I have to deal with. For, that, that, if, if all that I go through in this world, all the, the trials and the tribulations, all of that I go through here, all of the pain, I don't have to deal with it anymore. There's none of that in heaven. Yeah, sign me up yesterday, right? I mean, a place of perfect relationship and a place of perfect health with no pain or medicine is such a wonderful hope after a life with broken vows or sickness or chronic pain that dominates all of your days here. The thorn in your flesh that keeps you from truly enjoying life on this earth, whatever it might be, will be gone forever. You know, when John is describing what heaven will be like, how beautiful it truly is. I think it was maxing out his language capability. The Greek language of his day had about 60 or 70,000 words, and that might seem like a lot, but you compare that to 600,000 in modern English today. There's a lot more freedom that we have today to use our language. And I think that's why he's telling us a lot of what's not going to be there instead of what is going to be there, because he's so limited by his language to describe this magnificent, beautiful place that is called heaven. So I wanted to expand on John's list just a little bit with the list that I've borrowed and modified. And so what's heaven going to be like? Well, in heaven, there will be no more COVID and no more pandemics, no more social distancing and no more masks, no more Democrats, no more Republicans, no more independents, no more politicians, no more political ads, no more elections, no more scandals, no more fake news, and no more, pat, no more bad water from Camp Lejeune. No more cancer, no more rejection, no more loneliness, no more depression. There will be no more band-aids, no more tissue boxes, no more casts, no more crutches, no more wheelchairs or pacemakers, no more radi radiation or chemotherapy, no more multiple sclerosis or bloated stomachs, no more suicide bombers or school shootings, no more metal detectors or persecution or x-rays or MRIs, no more anxiety medication, no more middle-of-the-night phone calls with the bad news on the other line, no more crosses along the side of the road. 
There'll be no more miscarriages, no more abortions, no more child abuse, no more rape, no more breakups, no more tornado sirens or typhoons or hurricane warnings or earthquakes, no more tsunamis, no more coughs or colds or flu shots, no more COVID shots or boosters. There'll be no more acne, no more love handles, no more saddlebags, no more cottage cheese thighs, no more double chins, no more wrinkles or crow's feet around your eyes, no more bad breath, no more BO or deodorant or deodorant stains. There'll be no more shaving or plucking or waxing or Rogaine. No more yelling, no more fighting. No more bullying, no more road rage, no more racism or addiction or drama or hormones, no more gossip or guilt, no more legalism or liberalism, no more pretending, no more injustice, no more infertility, no more infidelity, no more insecurity, no more infomercials, no more inoperable tumors, no more security systems, no more amber alerts or silver alerts, no more trafficking, no more child protective services, no more broken homes, no more orphanages, no more waiting rooms, no more courtrooms, and no more foster care. There'll be no more tear-stained divorce papers, no more pink slips, no more foreclosure notices, no more motionless ultrasounds, no more tiny caskets, no more death, no more sadness, no more loneliness, no more crying, and no more pain. And why? Because the old has gone away, and now He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Our eternity will be spent in a place that is more beautiful than we could ever imagine. And the things of heaven are things that are so far beyond our comprehension and our understanding. We only know a world, we only know this world, right? A world that is shrouded in sin, that has the clouds of evil over every day. That's all we've ever known. We only know a world that is in decay, full of pain and suffering. But heaven, heaven will be like nothing we have ever experienced or even could ever imagine. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. I believe that heaven will be a place, an amazing, beautiful place. I believe that heaven will be a place of exploration where we'll be exploring all that God has prepared for his children. And you might think that you'll eventually see all there is to see, but my guess is we won't get bored. I don't think we'll ever run out of things to do. I also believe that heaven will be a place of learning where you can learn things that you never thought were possible on this earth. You'll just keep learning and learning because there's going to be new things every, well, it's not going to be a day, right? We're not even going to understand because this concept of time isn't held in heaven. God is so far outside of that. And maybe I'm right and maybe I'm wrong about those things. But whether I'm right or wrong, one thing I know is that whatever that we'll be doing up in heaven, it's going to bring us great joy. You know, in this series and in this book of Revelation, we have looked at a lot of ugly imagery and language. 
I mean, we have seen dragons and beasts and prostitutes. We've been through a lot. But after all of that, John ends his book with this powerful and encouraging discussion, or description of the unsurpassed beauty and joy that waits for us in heaven. He tells of all that awaits those who remain faithful to God in times of persecution and tribulation and of the home he has prepared for us of the Bible. And so when we get through the dragon and the beast and the prostitutes and all those ugly things, on the other side waits something more beautiful than you could ever imagine. And then at the end, he offers one final invitation. The spirit and the bride say, come, And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price, he who testifies to these things say, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Now you might, you hear that and you might think, we say a lot of times, come, Lord Jesus, come, right? When we see the ugliness of the world, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. I had to double check that what, that, that wasn't just like some like uh, monologue or something that somebody put in. No, John says, amen, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Friends, I... Our glorious bridegroom is coming back one day to save all of us and to remove us from all of the ugliness that we endure in our time on this earth. He's coming to take us to a place that he has prepared for his bride. Are you ready? Are you ready for that day? I hope you are. And so as we get ready for that, let's live each day ready for his return whenever that might be. And let's live with an urgency to introduce as many people to the bridegroom as we can because he is the only one who truly saves. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's pray. Father God, you love us so much. We are your bride and you have you've prepared this place for us and so for those that are here this morning that are dealing with the ugliness of life just feel overwhelmed by all the things that are happening whether it's the thing that's, things that we see on the news things we see online or the things that are happening to us actively every day that we're enduring and trying to make it through pray that we would never lose sight of the lamb that we would never lose sight of the one that is sitting on the throne because you have made a made all things new for us and one day all of this will pass away and we will transfer over to something more beautiful and more joyous than we could ever imagine for those that are going through the trials and the tribulations right now, those that feel persecuted right now. Father, I pray that you would give them a strength to get through, to see the light at the end of the tunnel, to know that we have a living hope in your son Jesus that gives us a hope that extends beyond all of these things. And for those of us 
that are ready right now for Jesus to return. I pray that we would live every day as if today is it. That we would live on fire for you and your son Jesus, trying to tell as many people as we can about who he is and what he has done for us. Because the lamb has conquered it all. And he is the only way to all of these amazing things that we read about. There's a lot of darkness that happens. There's all things that bring us down. But I pray that we never forget that the joy comes in the morning. And just like we read in this book of Revelation, there was a lot of ugliness in the middle. But in the end, the Lamb is victorious. And we see great beauty and great joy. Because the dragon is defeated. And the Lamb is victorious. Father, I pray we approach each day with that truth in our minds and in our hearts to know that no matter what might come our way, the dragon is defeated and the lamb is victorious and we can overcome whatever this world throws at us. I thank you so much for your love that you would go and prepare a place as as amazing as this for us. And I thank you for your son, Jesus, that through his death and resurrection, we have the hope to one day experience it all. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've come this morning and you don't have this relationship with Jesus, if you're not actively following him and making him the king of your life, boy, there's no better day than today because all of these things that we hear about for the, for the Christ follower, man, it is so exciting because you read it and you go, One day I get to experience all of this. But for those that are not following Christ, that have not given their life to him, it's a much different picture. So I hope that today, if you don't have that relationship, it doesn't guarantee a life full of, or free of problems. It doesn't guarantee that everything's going to be great from here on out. We still go through pain and suffering, but we can get through those things knowing that everybody's going to go through these things, but only the follower of Jesus is going to see through to this beautiful, to the beauty on the other side. And I want that for you. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't have that relationship with him, I want that for you. And so I would love for you to come forward. I'll be right down front. I'd love to talk to you about what it looks like to have this relationship with him and to be baptized into his kingdom. Maybe you're here this morning and you're going through the ugly right now. And you just need somebody to pray with you. I would love to do that this morning, to to lift up whatever's going on in your life or the life of somebody close to you and, and just lift you up. Just bring God into that situation. You have this amazing gift and weapon of prayer and we believe in it. So I'd love to pray with you if you are here this morning and in need of it. So I'll be right down front. I'd love to, to talk to you about a decision you might have to make or if you just need some prayer this morning. But I invite all of us to stand and sing our final song together now.